Citizen Reporter number 374, 11th of April, 2011. Obedient workers, people who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork and just dumb enough to passively accept all these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, the reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. And As a hunter, so in love, I shatter. We live here in the United States of Amnesia. No one remembers anything before Monday morning. Everything is a blank. We have no history. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. This is actually a a follow-up episode, and I have to say, I don't do follow-ups often enough, um, as many of you may have noticed. A few weeks ago, on the heels of the Japan earthquake tsunami and and the nuclear uh, accident that followed uh, we spoke with Kara Moon uh, who was on the ground in uh, in Tokyo and now once again back on Skype uh, following up on to give us an update on what's been going on uh, on the line from Tokyo it's uh, it's Kara Moon hello hello Mark can you hear me okay yeah I hear you quite well and uh, it's it's been about at least three weeks uh, I think since we last spoke and um, it's not been a three weeks without uh, things happening. Uh, even yesterday, you and I were on a radio program, and there was a uh, earthquake of, I think, 7.4 off the, the shores there um, in a similar location, I think, to the, the first big one. And again, uh, there was damage, and there were, were some even deaths. Let's go back. Um, I mean, there was last time we spoke, there was concern that you may have to leave your house even. Um, how how is how have things gone since then? Well, we've we've been suffering from a, a lack of credible information over the past uh, what is it four weeks since the original earthquake on Friday, eleventh of March. So, in that time, a lot of people, um, a lot of the so-called international community here, a lot of the as we say in Japanese, gaikokujin the foreigners here have left Tokyo um, I haven't uh, I'm here for a variety of reasons um, mainly lack of money I guess um, some people have just gone to um, other parts of Japan down, um, so down uh, southeast towards um, Kyoto and Osaka hmm. and there's this um, phrase evocation ev- 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 maybe a cross between evacuation and taking a vacation. Uh-huh. So, um, th- th- those that are that have funds available um, have, uh, yeah, t- t- taken this opportunity for a few weeks of holiday. But in- interestingly, um, a lot of my uh, Western Western friends here have have now returned to Tokyo, despite the fact that at least the situation at the nuclear power station uh, Fukushima Daiichi doesn't seem to have improved. Um, at all, as, as far as I, I can tell from the reports. Um, so yeah, in, in the in the four weeks since the the first big earthquake, we've had uh, regular aftershocks. Um, and, and last last night, which was Thursday, seventh of April, we had um, yeah the seven point four, which uh, 
you know, only a fraction of the power of the um, nine that we had on on the 11th of March, but still it it felt like a real earthquake. It, it didn't feel like a, a little aftershock. It was sort of several minutes of shaking, and I ran around the house opening doors and grabbing my earthquake escape bag. Yes. Um, yeah. So I mean, during during the past few weeks, I have been stockpiling food, trying to get out of batteries. It's, it's still difficult to get bread and water um, in the supermarkets here. They you know they have some in the morning, and you have to sort of get their quickly sells out. Um, out in the suburbs of Tokyo, where I live, that no ba- batteries at all. Um, fortunately, I have a couple of wind-up camping lanterns. Um, but yeah, I'm obviously still very, very concerned about the nuclear situation. Um, are there are there warnings now when you go to the supermarket? I think I'm thinking of the um, the crops or whatever was grown in the area uh, north of Tokyo. There are there warnings like don't buy the spinach, or is there no spinach to be gotten, or, or other vegetables? Yeah, so um, the green leafy vegetables um, from northern Japan have essentially been stopped. Um, a lot of um, dairy products came from the north of Japan as well, so they're quite limited. Um, my local supermarkets all have signs up saying that uh, each family is only allowed to buy one bottle of water, uh, you know, one carton of milk, one loaf of bread, yeah. um, which you know in in Japan is kind of unheard of. It's I mean, it's, it's I think it's important to you know keep keep this disaster in 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 perspective because although it's it's very very tragic, it's very small compared to the kind of damage you'd get from a, a similar earthquake in a in a poorer country. Mm-hmm. And Japan is is an extremely rich country and there's a very very high standard of living here and. Typically, people have quite a lot of um, savings, so there's quite a lot of financial security here. Um, so although, you know, we're definitely feeling the effects going to the supermarket and seeing at least some empty shelves, um, and, you know, if you go in the morning, you'll see a line of people waiting to buy water, but it's, yeah, it's obviously very, very um, minor <laughs> in, in the grand scheme of things, and Many people in other countries live like that all the time. Yeah, so, uh, I've I've spent a good amount of time, and I, and I bet you have as well, um, staring at the photos of the power plant, which were taken reportedly by uh, by drones. And you know, I'm I'm staring. I'm seeing a little, a few emergency vehicles nearby. Um, have you heard? Anything in, I don't know, Japanese press especially, that's where I would look for it, from anyone who's been on site? I'm, I'm very curious about the testimony now, or the state actually, never mind what they have to say. How are they? The the firefighters, for example. Yeah, so, mm, no, I mean, there's it, it's a short answer. That there have been a few, so on the internet there's been a few sort of alleged leaks of emails from staff from the power company so essentially at the at the power station itself you have employees of Tokyo Electric Power Company um, TEPCO as foreigners call it but in Japanese it's uh, Toden so you have some employees of, of Toden you have employees from Toshiba and Hitachi because they made some of the reactors and I think the container vessels and then you have police and you have firefighters and in total, it seems that about 200, 250 people working there 
um, and they're working in groups of about 50 at a time. So there's 50 working and possibly 200 resting at any one time. Um, mm, the me media in Japan is not exactly aggressive, I guess <laughs> you could say. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, they, they don't really have the concept of investigative journalism here. So we, we don't have a situation where, um, m you know, the media are kind of hunting down um, TEPCO employees instead of hanging around outside the houses to, to try and get off the cuff comments. So there's been very little um, direct information. Um, a couple of times when uh, TEPCO employees have been challenged um, on television, they've, they've been said that they're not allowed to talk about things. So for example, um, recently a, a a worker was interviewed by someone and was asked about the radiation dosage he'd um, been receiving and he said he wasn't allowed to talk about the dose. Hmm. So uh, we have very, very limited uh, in information and, you know, I mean, the the way that the power station is being dealt with, it's it's really semi-comical. Um, hmm. Apparently, they, they had a very... Um, sophisticated armoured robot um, on site which was designed for you know, dealing with this issue and due to poor maintenance over the past few years it's uh, out of order <laughs> and um, you know it's like a, a, a multi-million dollar robot that uh, they, they uh, rusty. decided not to yeah exactly <laughs> it's, it's rusted up um, I think I think something, something I'd really like to emphasise is that it's it's very hard to know what's going on inside the reactors and the staff at the power plant are only able to get you know to, with, to within certain distances at um, certain times for, for certain periods of time um, in, you know, in the very very high radiation areas they might only be able to run in there for, for a couple of minutes before having to leave so it's still mainly guesswork Essentially, what happens is um, outside the reactors, you measure the different um, radioactive particles that are flying around, mm -hmm. and then you sort of try to um, imagine what part of the reactor they came from, and that tells you to what degree has the containment system been broken or whatever. So, you know, if you if you have something that could only possibly come from the centre of the reactor, then you know that. <laughs> there are holes through um, multiple layers of protection, so it's still very much guesswork. And it seems that the, at least some some of the uh, international experts are claiming the situation is far far more serious than Japan has has admitted, or, or possibly that Japan has realised. Because, of course, as a as a layperson, I'm 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 unable to. Um, decide whether what we're seeing is, um, you know, incompetence or, or cover-up. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. So I, I don't know if you've heard that the, the pump, the cooling system in in, in the reactors has um, stopped functioning on, on the day of the earthquake, and they haven't managed to restore that yet. But they're still um, pumping in loads and loads and loads of water. First, they're pumping in seawater. Um, now the U.S. military is supplying fresh water. So they're pumping lots of water, but the problem with that is because there's no pumping system moving around, um, that water is putting strain on the containment vessels, 
and it's possible if there's you know some more big earthquakes, the whole thing will will just disintegrate, and uh, that probably wouldn't be a good thing, really. Yeah, um, you you mentioned in a conversation we had yesterday that they even have now the. I mean, that was something that hasn't been talked about, but the seawater, which is now contaminated, which I suppose, in theory, shouldn't go back into the uh, the sea, they're just going to put them into big, what, barges. Yeah, so initially, or at least up until recently, they were, they were releasing very, very highly radioactive um, water back into the sea on the grounds that they had to make space for even more radioactive water oh <laughs> that, that was coming out of the um, centre of the reactors. So until recently they have been putting radioactive water out into the sea, but um, international pressure stopped that mainly, I think, from South Korea and China. Um, I mean, I should say that some some people believe that maybe fishing has been destroyed in, in the area for the next 30 years, which is quite incredible. It's quite a low um, number, 30 years. Huh. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but it does it does seem that they're acting out of desperation, not in, in intelligence, really. Um, yes. You know, in, in, in the first week after, after the earthquake, um, the only thing they could think of doing was getting some uh, riot police trucks with water cannon and uh, so, you know shooting water um they also tried dropping water from a helicopter and uh you know the the videos that appeared of that just looked almost you know almost funny mm. um it was clear that no water was really getting into the um into the reactors themselves um one one um Mm, rather silly development is that uh, the Tokyo Electric Power Company have finally admitted that at least the first four reactors um, will have to be shut down. So, hmm. and uh, that that was um, I, I think a, a few days ago. So up until this point, they've at least senior management have been working on the assumption that they can somehow salvage these things. This is despite the fact that on Friday the 11th of March and the evening after the earthquake. Almost all international experts that I saw talking on the news said, you know, this is this is the end of the Fukushima Daiichi plant. Um, there's, uh, you know, it was, it was clear to to external observers that there was nothing to salvage. Um, obviously, if you're if you're pumping in seawater, that does a lot of um, corrosion in the plant. But um, you know, TEPCO wanted to uh, hold on to it as long as possible. Yeah. And uh, rather hilariously, they they had to submit the. Um, uh, I think this year's energy plan had to be submitted at the end of end of last month, and uh, their energy plan, which is understandably written a long time ago, was um, to build two more nuclear reactors at the Fukushima site, so expand it from uh, six reactors to eight reactors. Boy, um, yeah. I, but, I mean, I guess yeah. it's 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 what they know, and when I say they, I mean not only the power company, but it's it becomes a national thing. You know, I think about. France, for example, if something were to happen in France, I mean, most of their electricity comes from nuclear anyway, so they probably would propose, even on the site of a, of a meltdown, uh, more reactors. I mean, that's that's one of the strange things about what's been going on since we, you know, we first spoke a couple of weeks ago, is that now you have all these debates, which are to be expected, but the debates, you know, some see this as an opportunity, and a, not only an opportunity, a time, to really talk about 
what we're doing in this world with nuclear energy and and perhaps stopping uh, the the development of it. Um, the, 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 and then on the other hand, there are those who are seeing this as a chance to say, well, look, this just shows that we need better nuclear power plants. Um, and it's it's odd to some extent uh, who who sees this as a, uh, a starting point for for whatever campaign. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so I mean, apparently like, there in Japan, I mean that that you know nuclear energy is still the way to go. <laughs> sure, I mean in in Japan we have thirty um, percent of energy comes from nuclear, um, which you know to me seems quite a lot. But in in France it's what ninety percent or something, or eighty percent. I think you're right. Yeah, um, I mean there is nuclear power is sort of magic. I think that's why you know it has this incredible. Attraction, you know, if you if you look back into 1950s when you know every kid's comic book, you know, was talking about you know rockets powered by nuclear batteries sending man to the stars and was having you know there is some special um, magical property I guess in nuclear power and it and it does seem it does seem very very attractive and and one of the issues with nuclear power is that the initial costs are very, very, very high, and people who have invested in it want to believe. <laughs> you know, the more the more money you've put in, the more you want to believe. And it's a bit like when you know when um, you're in one of those uh, con games where a con man is is sort of leading you along, and the more money you've put into the dodgy company or whatever, the more money you're willing to put in to try and protect the investment you've already made. And you you know you want to believe. That, it, that it's a genuine offer, um, and I mean, in a, in a way, nuclear power is is a con game more than anything else. You put you put in a lot of money. Um, you're promised. I mean, in, in the UK, we were promised free electricity. That was that. Was the, um, it was when uh, I think it was when Margaret, when Margaret Thatcher, maybe Margaret Thatcher, when right, they were yeah. putting in yeah. a lot of um, uh, uh, building nuclear infrastructure in England. The, the phrase was. Um, the electricity would be too cheap to meter, so uh, it would be free, and um, that didn't happen. <laughs> um, in fact, in England, we had um, we had some quite we had quite a serious nuclear accident in, um, or we had one quite serious nuclear accident. I think in the 50s we had one in the 70s, a big fire at the nuclear um, power, almost a nuclear power city, maybe a small city of power stations and reprocessing plants, and. Um, the accident was so serious that they had to change the name from the power plant from a wind scale to a cellar field. So uh, you know it's serious when they have to change the name. Name changes, yes, yes, yes. That's, it's <laughs> them and Blackwater that's doing yes, name changes. Yes. Um, um, yeah. yeah go ahead. No, I was going to ask you, and this is a, a more difficult one. You may not want this responsibility, uh, but. Uh, you know, I'm looking, I want to point out, because I know that people out there are also saying this to their iPods, um, look, look, it's it's complicated. Uh, it's difficult because we have a world, especially nations where we both live, uh, that require an, a certain amount of power. You know, I have, I have a computer and an external display running right now in front of me, and I, I like these things. And I, to some extent, I'd even try to say I need these things for my work, uh, whether or not that's true. Um, <laughs> And and so you know anyone could could remind us that uh, look it's not as easy as saying these are bad ideas we already have these things we have to deal with the cards that we're well we've dealt ourselves um, 
if if I put you in charge, this magical office, which is not even the prime ministership, really, but if you had the power to to do a strategy for, say, Japan, um, in, from where it is today to where it's going in in ten to twenty years. I mean, what do you do in terms of energy plans? How would you? What plan would you submit? Where would you focus in st- from from here going forward? I think. I mean, I actually think that's quite an easy question because, um, especially in in the the case of Japan, that um, you know we 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 have to begin by um, stating the the requirements of our system. You know, we need. We need to think about what what system would be fit for purpose, and it's clear that most of the systems we currently have are not fit for purpose. And essentially, you know, usually when we talk about energy, we're um, we we set up um, very um, loose requirements, and uh, and unsurprisingly, that allows us to choose rather silly solutions. And in the case of specific case of Japan, I mean, Japan does not have natural resources. Japan does not have coal, oil, or gas in, in any um, reasonable quantities. Japan does not have uh, uranium. Um, and in fact, the world doesn't actually have a lot of uranium either. And um, I, I, uh, I invented a new theory today called peak uranium, <laughs> which, is like, which is like peak oil, but only better. Um, because I found out that we, you know, just like peak oil, where with peak oil, we've... Um, We've got a, we, we've sort of started to get all the um, oil that's easier to get hold of because um, you know you go for the easy stuff first. So the remaining oil is obviously a very limited amount and is it's becoming increasingly difficult to get hold of. Well, just you know exactly the same thing is true with uranium that we've gone for the um, very rich uranium deposits um, and we've been using them up. So, if you look at uh, specifically look at uh, nuclear reactors that are using uranium, so I'm not talking about the the MOX reactors that use a mixture of uranium and plutonium, but just the regular uranium reactors, of which in in a uh, Fukushima Daiichi power plant five were regular uranium ones, and mm-hmm. um, one was MOX. Um, if you're getting very um, rich natural uranium deposits, then you're still producing about 30% of the CO2 um, uh, when you actually look at the energy um, cycle. You're producing about 30% of the ener- of the CO2 emissions that a coal-fired power station or a fired power station um, would produce, which, which still sounds reasonable. But the problem is we've now got to a point where most of the rich uranium deposits have gone, and we're now getting the, the much poorer quality uranium where you know, it's almost all uranium-238 and uranium-235. Um, so it needs, you need a lot more of it. And also you need to do a, a much more complicated enriching process to make it usable. So we're, we're getting to the point where the um, the energy that you're getting from nuclear power is going to be quite um, CO2 intensive, I guess. Um, you're using more and more oil to get that fuel you need more and more of the fuel because it's lower quality. There's more and more processing. Hmm. So clearly, yeah, nuclear power shouldn't be um, even something that's being considered for Japan because I think you know, Japan is in a precarious situation because although it's rich in monetary terms, it's very, very poor in resource terms. So it's just to me, it's just obvious that Japan has to be going for 
um, energy solutions that don't require importing a lot of um, fuel, whatever you know, whether it's fossil fuel or nuclear fuel. Um, Japan is a volcanic island uh, or volcanic archipelago, rather. So it makes sense to look at geothermal energy in in a much bigger way. Japan is um, 90% of Japan is mountainous, so. In Japan, there is quite a lot of hydroelectric power, but that needs to be increased, and the plants need to be made more efficient. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd obviously say renew, renewable energy um, is something Japan has to do. Not not even taking into consideration um, the environmental aspect, but just simply for energy security, Japan shouldn't be importing um, fuel. Just mm-hmm. as Japan shouldn't really be importing a lot of fuel, a lot of food. Japan imports. Um, between so 78% of its food, which wow. uh, is, is, is not a great situation to be in. So, yeah, to me, it's a very, very easy question um, because regardless of any of the technicalities, you just have to set yourself um, realistic requirements and, and any requirement of, of Japan's energy policy must, must include the fact that fuel shouldn't be imported in, in large amounts. I mean, it's just... Yeah, and of course, then the big question is, uh, and we don't know the answer, and we could be skeptics about it, but it, will they? Will they make the, the decision that it seems so obvious and necessary? Um, because, of course, there's also probably a uh, quite a lobby from, uh, from nuclear industry. We see it uh, in all countries all over the world now. So. Yeah, there's a very, very, very strong lobby from nuclear industry, and they're very good at clouding the issue. Um, and you know, nuclear power is often marketed as being carbon neutral or whatever, yes. and um, you know, ma- marketed really is is the right term. Um, and I, I recently heard that um, was it in the U.S. the the power industry spends less money on research than the U.S. pet food industry spends. <laughs> yeah, wow. so like a U.S. pet food company making dog food is spending more money on research and development to make tastier dog foods than um, the delightful people of Con Edison or whatever yeah. are researching into making power. Um, so that's, I mean, that's, that's one side of it. Um, the other side of it is that the way that renewable energy is presented um, is always doomed to failure because what happens is um, people, uh, companies, when they're forced to to look at renewable energy, um, they they look at it with with a model that just doesn't work because you know you, you often hear people saying things like, well, renewable energy is simply not economical. Now the re- and, and that's that's you know at least that's that's true at the moment, but by not economical, um, what that means is that power companies can't make a profit from it. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as as soon as you take out their profit margin, then um, renewable energy is a perfectly sensible way to uh, make electricity in most parts of the world. Um, and you know, of course, they they always look at just a single solution. So they say things like, "Oh well, if we if we have a lot of solar, um, you know, it's not going to work because of." Uh, unpredictability of the weather and people only have the energy security that they're used to um, you know which uh, which may may be true but why would we just have solar <laughs> you know, having having a selection of ways to produce energy um, also I mean I'm, I'm increasingly starting to think that 
centralised energy infrastructure is just not very sensible. I think that we should be looking at energy infrastructure um, maybe what, on a city block basis or something. So a city block would have a, a few ways of, of making energy. Maybe um, you know, mm -hmm. building regulations would require that you had solar panels on the roofs of all new buildings. Uh, you'd have some some wind turbines. Um, you might have you know a municipal garbage incinerator that was was making power that way as well. Yeah. And energy would mainly be distributed on city block level. Of course, with with the ability to to put excess power into, into neighbouring blocks. But I think, you know, the idea that um, we should have um, power, power stations out in the countryside and, you know, take take the power in, in a high-voltage high cabling is is not very sensible. And, the, and the re, you know, the reason we have that system at the moment is because the ways of making power are all so unpleasant that no one wants them in urban areas. So you know the, the very the very fact that nuclear power is is unpleasant to to people living around it means that you need the nuclear power station to be, in the case of Japan, out on a rocky coast where it's at risk of tsunami. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know if we have distributed power all across the country, um, you know in yeah maybe a city block level or village level or whatever you want to call it, um, and have a selection of of um, power generation systems including including some that aren't very efficient but it's you know it's always better to have a, a selection than um than to put all your all your eggs in the uh, one proverbial basket as it were yeah um so yeah and of course all of that has to go hand in hand with with using less energy in the first place um japan is a relatively high use of energy although you know a use of a fraction of what the u.s uses. Hmm. Um, I always hear that figure that what the US uses 15% of the world's energy. Um, I still can't really believe that's true. Um, but I don't know, maybe. Um, I remember um, one time being in, uh, I think I was in California one summer and there were public information commercials on TV telling people that because it was sunny, you could actually dry clothes outside. You didn't have to dry them in your electric dryer. And, um, yeah, you know, I think if, if that's the kind of level of education that people are lacking, then, yeah, we're kind of in trouble, really. Yeah. If, people don't, if people need to be told that you can dry clothes outside and uh, you don't need a 3,000-watt electric dryer to do it. Maybe this is a good time to remind everyone that they can dry their clothes outside, if it's especially if it's sunny, but not only. It could be just be warm and not sunny. It's possible. Uh, that's a free public service announcement. And, uh, and you can also walk instead of going by car everywhere. You can. It's not bad, actually. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. or like, use a bicycle, like Bicycle Mark. There you go. I just took a long ride for about an hour to, uh, to an, a, a suburb. Look at that. Even to the suburbs, you don't have to take a car. Uh... Let me ask you this. Uh, I tweeted about it. I mentioned it in the last time, the last post that involved uh, our podcast. The Tokyo Hackerspace um, that you're involved with was uh, making an effort to set up uh, low power, you know, just basically alternatives and, and immediate solutions for um, the region affected by the tsunami. Uh, how is that going? And of course, you know, if that is still ongoing, of course, I want to mention it now. Yeah, so I think 
I mean, we, we, we intend to be involved at least, you know, for the rest of the year um, yeah. in, in, in dealing with what's going on there. Um, so currently we've been building uh, solar lanterns, um, which we're, we're distributing to kids in the area. We've, done a, we've uh, got a manga artist who's done a nice little manga that explains how to use it. Um, yeah, the, uh, looking at low energy or low effort um, lifestyle, I guess you could call it. So we've been looking at low energy ways of cooking food. Um, unsurprisingly, it turns out that you know the way that most people cook food is not the most energy-intensive process you could possibly imagine. Um, even you know, e even this is simple things that um, because people have uh, saucepans and frying pans that don't match um, the the size of their uh, um, gas stove. Most of the heat just goes up the side of the saucepan, and uh, yeah. So looking at those kind of things, so education um, is is going to be a big thing. I mean, just in in the sort of immediate future, we have um, trips up north planned to obviously distribute solar lanterns, that kind of thing. We're also looking at helping children. Um, getting through some of the, the trauma that they're obviously experiencing. Um, so, you know, providing art materials and stuff like that, for example, and books for the children to read because um, in these kind of disasters, adults are quite busy and children often um, make... They, they, I mean, they obviously have to make sense of what they're, what they're looking at. And um, if, you know, if you've seen your house be swept away by... Um, a 30-foot wall of water, um, that's going to end up, you know, it's going to create some rather weird patterns of thought. Um, we're also working closely with a refugee centre that has been set up um, sort of on the edge of the area affected by the earthquake. It's it's actually, I guess, yeah, it's surprisingly difficult to persuade people to leave the north of the Japan altogether, at least, you know, at least temporarily because you know, people have, uh, uh, have lived there, um, their families have lived there for essentially hundreds of years. Um, it's very hard to convince them, especially if they're farming community. I think a lot of the farmers just don't, simply don't realize that rightly or wrongly, no one's going to want to buy their food for the next 10 years, um, you know, regardless of how, how safe it, it's alleged to be you're not really going to want to pick up, uh, you know, a bag of spinach that, <laughs> that's come from within 50 kilometers of a, of a uh, melting down nuclear reactor. Hmm. So, yeah, there's, yeah, a, a, lot, a lot of things we're doing and um, we're trying to really make an intelligence-based effort. So, you know, we're, we're talking to people who have uh, been involved in the aid organizations. There's um, a very good organization in Tokyo called Second Harvest, which has been around for quite a few years, and it usually distributes um, unsold food to homeless people in um, Japan and also to orphanages. But they've been involved a lot in the um, earthquake relief. Um, so we're looking at how we can help them, what kind of technology we can provide them with, you know, um, satellite phones and that kind of thing to uh, help with their food distribution. Um, in Japan, there is there is kind of this issue um, of what mm, what for what purpose is money being collected. There's a lot of money that's been collected, and it seems that 
most of that is is being sort of saved for um, the rebuilding effort, which hasn't started yet. So, you know, for example, international uh, the Japanese Red Cross has collected, um, you know, several billion dollars, and uh, they're just sitting on that money at the moment while they decide how to spend it, which, um, you know, is sensible in one way, but um, unfortunate. On the other hand, um, if uh, people in the north are actually, you know, wanting for for food and water and shelter, um, and I guess I mean t- Tokyo Hackerspace, we we want to do more than just um, provide some short-term relief. As I say, we don't want to be involved at least for the rest of the year, but we'd really like to help people to look at slightly better, maybe better, more sensible ways of living, looking at low-energy lifestyles, um, just basic self-sufficiency stuff. So, for example, the the phone network seems to be, or at least the, the phone company, uh, NTT, Nippon Telecom, Telephone and Telegraph, um, they say that the, the network is up and running now, but we still think um, other networks have to be provided um, that you know don't rely on centralized infrastructure. So, you know, we we uh, we want to distribute two-way radios to community centres, for example. So that if the phone network does go down in the future, they have a another system waiting in place. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, we we'd like to we'd like to see this as you know, if you can see a good point of this disaster, that this is an opportunity to reassess. How people live, just on a, on a on a very very simple day to day level, we need to be more self sufficient. Um, and that certainly goes for Japan as country as well. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, the a lot of this information, uh, including details about when there are meetings and uh, what people can donate for what purpose, because you're very specific on the on your website. Uh, it's TokyoHackerspace.org, and you have a Quake Wiki. I haven't checked it out, but I think it's at uh, Quake TokyoHackerspace.org. Um, I'll actually check that out after we're done talking. And so that's where people can uh, get involved from wherever they are, you are, out there listening in the world. Um, yeah. All right, Karamoon. I think we'll leave it at that for people to uh, to think sure. about and uh, and not lose sight of the fact that this is still going on, even though the news cycles like to move on. Uh, this is not uh, going away anytime soon. Um, yeah. I think for now we'll leave it at this. Thanks a lot. Uh, any other website I should mention, or is that that's probably enough? Um, if people Google for Second Harvest Japan, oh yes, um, I think they're they're one of the, the the groups that I would recommend most because they're you know they have very very low overheads. The, the money you give is going directly to food and and stuff for babies, and it's, it's happening now. It's not um they're not saving up the money um to to. Uh, Yep. Yep. Second Harvest Japan. All right. Thanks a lot, Karamoon. It's good to hear from you. And, uh, you know, one of the side effects of all this, uh, actually a positive side effect, has been that you and I have gotten to talk a lot more than than we usually do during the course of a year, which which is good, which is good. And you've been doing follow-up, and follow-up is... Also good. (laughs) Yes, yes, I admit, even I, who try to be alternative, I lack the the follow-up. So this is a good uh, step in that direction, yes. All right, man. See you Thank soon. You. Speak to you soon. Sure. The old familiar sting Try to kill it all the way But I remember everything
Bye. 